When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 69, uh, yeah, 69 of the Really Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, uh, always joined by the man of the myth and the legend, Aaron Ryan, my co-host for episode 69. I had to say it three times, Aaron, because it's a momentous episode. Um, not going to say why, the listeners understand that. Um, two years in the making, somehow it took us two years to get uh, just about uh, 70 episodes, which is crazy. Road to 100, uh, firmly on our way to 100. But Aaron, how are you this evening? Great to be back with you talking uh, sports this week. Hey, man, I'm just just happy to be here, you know. Um, whether it takes us 10 years to get to 100 or, or you know, another couple months, I, it doesn't matter to me. Like, we're as, when we can come to you guys, we come to you guys. And, and you know, I'm trying to – no pun intended. That was actually a horrible line, especially with it <laughs> being episode 69. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just – just trying to bring the content like Gary V would, would want us to do. You know what I mean? So yeah, Gary V would be pissed at us. We're not recording five podcasts in like five hours a day, but I'm, I'm, pissed um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to bet the under on, on 10 years, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe like nine and a half. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, regardless, Aaron, a lot happening in the sports world for the first time in probably this podcast history. We're not going to lead off with the NFL. We have NBA playoffs occurring. NHL playoffs occurring, Rangers in seven. Uh, the Yankees are a wagon. We left off the last podcast with me being very pessimistic. I think they were like eight and seven and the one like what felt like 15 games in a row. Uh, the Mets are a wagon um, and the Red Sox suck. So uh, all is right in the world. We'll touch on the Phillies here uh, in a second. No, 14, 17. Okay. Okay. We'll forget the Phillies. We'll forget the Orioles, but uh, either way, um, where do we want to take it now, Aaron? Up to you, my friend. Hey, man, real quick. I'm I, as as the O's sit. I think what for, they're the same record, fourteen and seventeen. I don't feel bad about that, just because that's not be, bad. Only That'd because be right. you know what I mean. I, I the pitching's been all right. Um, we've been pitching's in most been of the games, even that we've lost. So that being said, I, I'm not I'm not horribly disappointed at four. It's fourteen and eighteen and. And just took two out of three from the, the Cardinals, who I just, for whatever hey reason, have a hatred for. So, uh, yeah, fuck the Cardinals at, at point blank period. So, period stop. <laughs> period stop. Yeah, uh, yeah. A 14 and 18, not bad um, for the Orioles. If they can hover around that the rest of the year, I would take that in a heartbeat if I'm an O's fan. Um, Boston, 11 and 20, 11 and 20, 11 and 20. That's absolutely music. I mean, just seeing a three in front of that winning percentage is absolutely hilarious and double digits behind the Yankees right now is absolutely hilarious. Um, we all knew that they were frauds last year. We all knew the Yankees record um, wasn't as good as it could have been last year. So to top the league uh, is pretty impressive. I th- the Yankees are 22 and eight uh, playing right now, winning right now. I think uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, Luke, Lucas heel. They're sixth. This guy's a wagon. Um, he played six games last season. 
uh, all Yankee Stadium. Um, he was like their sixth pitcher, basically. They're winning six to three right now. That's an update, real time update. Uh, basically, it was their sixth pitcher, sixth man of the year, as I like to call him. Um, has a has a nine ERA in AAA right now, but he's up playing the Weds, uh, White Sox right now in Chicago because the Yankees have like no days off in the next like two weeks because of all the scheduled delays and whatnot. But currently throwing a good outing. So uh, shout out to Lucas Heal. No one on this universe besides myself and my girlfriend knows who Lucas Heal is, but. Uh, the GOAT, nonetheless. He'll, he'll be a household name probably when the Yankees won the World Series this year. That's uh, that's my promise to the listeners for sure. Dude, I, I almost think, like, you you can put just about anybody in a Yankees jersey and they'll pitch well. Like, especially this year, it's – it's. I personally uh, – you know how I feel. I absolutely hate it, but um, it, it's – like, you got Montgomery going strong. You got um, a guy I cannot even stand to look at is Garrett Cole, but obviously doing well. Um you know, who else you, uh, Severino dealing like it, the goat. Uh, you guys are looking pretty strong, obviously. Um, we'll see, uh, you know, it, a lot of people tend to overreact, not, not throwing any shots at anybody in specific, but it's Whoa. May 12th. It's May 12th. So, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll, we'll Might as well be September 12th, <laughs> but I, you know, they do, they do look damn good. Obviously judge is absolutely like, it seems like he's hitting 500. Um, that walk off the other night. Oh my I god! I hate to see it, dude. I hate. I absolutely hate to see it. Like how you feel about the Patriots is about how I feel about the Yankees, especially as as baseball is probably my favorite sport overall. So it's really tough for me to see, but I kind of just root for my own team and then you know keep it keep it there and, and try and stay out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the haters are out full force tonight, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> the haters will be the haters. I, I also have to correct myself. I've made a, a glaring mistake off the hop here. It's actually Luis. Heel, not Lucas Heel, so I'll take that off the chin right off the hop, but uh, I wouldn't expect anything less for episode 69. Um, <laughs> since we're on the topic of, of, of baseball, Aaron, um, looking around the league, Dodgers are up there, the Brewers are up there, the Mets are up there, Astros, all those teams, Yankees I just mentioned, have 20 or more wins. Um, pick one team, it can't be the Yankees because we know you want to pick them, Pick one team out of those five or six that I just listed that is an absolute fraud and will not and will not finish first in their division. Um, if you had a if you had a prediction there. That's Maybe tough. a couple couple easy ones on this list, but uh yeah, are give we, me your give me your hot take there. Yeah, man. Are we taking uh are we taking just the first place current teams, would you say, or just just teams in general that Yes, all first place teams besides the central because Minnesota is 18 and 14 and they're in first. Um, to me, that's a very weak. I mean, Detroit's nine and 23. That's a very weak division. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think they are. Speaking about Minnesota, I mean, they have Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela from the Yankees, so that's probably why they're in first place. Because uh, the Yankees are just so good. Our our backup players are like wagons, but um, I guess Phillies and O's fans wouldn't understand that, but. Um, any any team besides that team in first place give me a fraud in your mind that's a tough one man looking through this I mean all these teams are kind of expected to you know do damage or, or win their division I should say um, the brewer the brewers to me are, are a little shaky I've seen obviously 20 and 12 is no joke um, I think they're in that division, I could easily see the Cardinals. They, they're just that team that doesn't go away ever, and I can't stand them. Never never liked them. Uh, not not to the extent of the, of the Yankees, but 
Um, they're just that team, man. They're just a, they're like one of those gnats that fly around and just keep hitting you in the face. And you want it to go away so badly. Um, I just look at the Cardinals as that team. So they might they might edge out the Brewers. I I was scared of the Yankees last year. I'm petrified this year. Um, I don't know. I would I would be too. I don't know if the Rays catch them. I I. I at the beginning of the year, I was like, this is the year Toronto takes that massive step and, and pulls that division out. I, I don't know about that anymore. I'll Obviously, smell you later, Toronto. We're, we're still in May, so it, it's it's anybody's ball game. But I think, you know, I think really that the Angels might stay in the hunt with the Astros until the end. Not to say they'll yep. win that division, but it, for once, it seems like they're getting their pitching really figured out. Um, obviously, it, Otani, the, the two-way threat is, is an absolute, you know, unit. And then, you know, obviously Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon hit a, a home run batting from the left side for the first. Saw that. That was great. Yeah, dude. So that, those, that, that first four of their lineup is, is arguably the best in baseball or, or, you know, one of, so I don't know, man, a lot of these, like other than I would say the twins, um, but the White Sox really need to get, I mean, White Sox sitting there eight and two in the last 10, but they still really need to get it together. In my opinion, they're, they've been very shaky all year um, sitting there at 500. So I don't expect the Twins to win that division, but I mean, the White Sox are, are not trustworthy right now. But once again, we're, we're only in, you know, second week of May. Um, but I would say to me, like long, long, you know, long story short, I would say, I hate the Mets too, but they're, they're probably going to run away with the NL East. Um, I, I don't know, man. I guess the, like I said, I guess the Brewers of all those teams, um, that three headed monster in the, in the NL West is, is you could pick any of those teams. I don't believe in the Padres still. I just think they're fraudulent when it comes down to it, but um, the giants are no joke either. So it could go to any of those teams, but I'll say Brewers of all the teams are the most volatile, like to fall apart right now i like that answer this guy is absolutely petrified of the cardinals um hate him and that is just evidenced by that pick there i mean yeah i I agree with you i was leaning towards them too i mean looking at some of these divisions like the the west is crazy dodgers 29 san diego uh, 20 and 12 san francisco 19 and 12 arizona 17 i mean colorado 16 and 15 every team in that division is above 500 which is like absolutely insane um, no other division even comes close to that, which is nuts. Um, I'm going to go with an easy pick here. Uh, this is probably the cop out of the century, but I'm going to do it. New York Mets. Um, I know, I know they don't have DeGrom. Um, I know they've been the hot kind of Cinderella team this year so far. Obviously you have Max Scherzer spent a shit ton. They have Starling Marte who I love. Um, obviously you have, uh, some good guys in there. Pete Alonzo still mashing. Um, guy from the Indians last year. That's I'm absolutely blanking on his name. Um, oh, that's Lindor. okay. Lindor. Lindor, yes, sir. Love that. Uh, I mean, they're at a plus 36 run differential, which is crazy. I mean, I, I mean, they, I don't, I'm not sold on. I think they need a couple of probably solid seasons, couple of decent to deep playoff runs for me to really believe in them. Um, I know, you know, once DeGrom comes back, he'll probably pitch like three games and then his his arm will fall off again. Um, I think that's going to be a really make or break, whether DeGrom can come back strong. I honestly have no idea when he's coming back. I probably should have looked that up before going on this ramp. But 
Um, that is such an easy pick to, to choose them as kind of the choke artist of, of this group. But um, we've seen it time and time again. I mean, last year they started off hot, um, kind of suffered a mid-season lull and kind of came on strong and absolutely blew it towards the end of the season, which we all saw coming from a mile away. I mean, it does kind of feel different now that, you know, they they're actually willing to spend money for, you know, the first time in, you know, probably what seems like franchise history for them. So, uh, you know, that, I mean, a, a deep check, a checkbook, some deep pockets in the MLB is, is pretty dangerous. I mean, I, I've, I've said the past couple of years, I wish the Yankees would spend some more money. I mean, this year, Basically, they didn't really do much, but uh, their players just got better from last year. So I don't know if you can bank on that every year. So I, I do like what the Mets have done, especially in adding a lot of that talent. I mean, adding Max Scherzer, if you have the money, is a no-brainer. Um, to pair with a guy like Jacob deGrom seems great on paper if he stays out of the hospital for more than a week at a time. But, uh, yeah, I think they're just an easy pick for me. I mean, if you look at the NL East, they're not, like, terrible. Um I mean, outside of Washington, I guess, who's in a pretty, pretty big rebuild right now. Um, I mean, the Braves are 15 and 17. Miami's right there at 14 and 17 and tied with the Phillies. We're also 14 and 17. So I know they're all like six or seven games back of the Mets, but um, I would still consider that within striking distance. I know in my mind it is September 1st, but Aaron did remind me the calendar only says five. Um, So that means we have a a bunch of months to go um, until we get to playoff time. So I, like I said, a lot of time for the Mets to, to kind of come back to earth, which I think they will eventually. It's just a matter of how big of a lead they can get out to in that division early on. And then if they can win the games they're supposed to win against a Miami, against a Washington, which really kind of plagued a team like the Yankees last year. I mean, if the Yankees would have been like above 500 against the Orioles last year, they would have won the division by like five games. So um, you got to win the easy ones when they're there. Um, and you got to, you know, play your other division rivals pretty tough to obviously be successful. So we'll see what happens, but the Mets would have to be my fraud pick for sure. That's, that's a good pick too, man. I, the thing is I'm partial to, cause I saw what, I mean, I could pose you the question, like how much do baseball managers really, you know, have an impact on the, on the wins and losses. Yeah. Like Buck Showalter, you know, being there with, with the Mets, they find, I think, you know, he kind of, it's a weird fit. I think, um, you know, Buck just seems like such a, a blue collar guy. And it's just, it's just so weird. Like Buck Walter with the Mets just doesn't like, you know, exactly go hand in hand for me. Um, but, uh, you know, so far, I mean, the thing is if the Phillies had a better manager, I think Joe Girardi's trash. I'll just say that like straight up. <laughs> he, he waits too long to pull pitchers. He's, I don't know. He's just, he's all over the place, man. He's, he lacks consistency, like with, you know, moves he makes, he, he'll do this one game that, you know, the total opposite, the next game, then it's just a mess. Like, I, I don't think he actually like realizes he's a manager or something like he's just in la la land half the, half the game. So um, the, the Mets having buck that I think that's a big, a big positive for them. Um, they've absolutely owned the Phillies early on in the season. Um, they threw a combined team no hitter against them. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I would say almost any other year, cause I've seen the Mets collapse, you know, year in and year out, um, for, you know, now it seems like decades really, but I don't know, man, but I just feel like they had like with Scherzer, they have that edge with, yep. with Buck. They have that, ed- they play with an edge to them where the Mets in the past, like, Another guy I can't stand it, Pete Alonzo. He he, I just think he's an absolute juice head, man. I'll be honest. The polar bear. 
he, you know, what he, after the, the all star or the uh, home run derby, he's like, I, I knew I was going to win. I, I know I'm the best power hitter, da, 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 you know, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they get in the brawl, uh, the Phillies and Mets do. And he's like, you know, basically he said something to the extent of like, they're lucky I didn't send everybody to the hospital. It's like, dude, shut, shut up, man. Like, just, I don't know. He, he, the most full, full of himself guy. He, he in the MLB, he might be, he might be exactly that, but. Hey, um, I'm all for the Mets slander. I think uh, Pete Alonzo is, is kind of a chump, but you know, still, <laughs> still mashes. I mean, if you're, he, he if does. you're celebrate, if you're saying you have the most power in the league after taking like, you know, 45 mile an hour fastballs down, you know, meatballs down the plate. I mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess that's all right. But, and, uh, and I'm Hey man, you. like, I was pulling for Trey Mancini so hard in that, obviously, being being an Oriole. And, like, you know, guy had fucking cancer at the end of the day. So right. uh, the fact that, that Pete Alonso has to gloat like he's the, you know, like he's a god after all that, I was like, come on, man. But maybe I'm just salty. But regardless, I, I can't stand the polar bear. He, he can go back to Alaska for all I care or Antarctica or whatever. All the above. Just exactly. go on a world tour, Pete. Get out of our lives. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, I mean, like I said, not often we start off a show with baseball. Um, gotcha. I can probably think back to like 2020 when the owners and players just were finding every way possible to not play the game of baseball. It almost happened this year with like the brief little like two week, you know, kind of delay or however long it ended up being to start this season. But um, yeah, compelling storylines. I mean, Aaron and I, you know, it's May, it's May, what is it, May 11th today, May 12th, um, and we're somehow still paying attention to baseball. So listeners got to give us some credit for that, I, I would say. Love it, dude. I I will forever be my my favorite sport, um, but that's just me. A lot of people, you know, fall asleep watching it, but ne- never <laughs> never the case in my household. I'll say that. 100%. Um, from Aaron's favorite sport to my favorite sport, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna hit on NHL playoffs quick here, Aaron. If that's all right with you, um, then we'll get okay. a little bit of NBA in, and then we'll touch on the draft and, and how the Jets are gonna go to the Super Bowl because of this phenomenal draft, which will be fun to talk about as per usual. And the Eagles somehow finessing AJ Brown, which is incredible. We'll definitely get into Howie somehow being one of the top GMs in the league after Aaron wanted his head on the chopping block, you know, less than a year <laughs> and a half ago. But um, I digress. Rangers. Um, we'll start off with them because I was boots on the ground for game three in Pittsburgh. Uh, unfortunately, the Rangers lost uh, six to four, two empty netters, or I'm sorry, seven to four, two empty netters. So basically five to four. Um, they are down three, two in the series. Um, had a big win last night. Um, the kid line, as we like to call them, Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco, Philip Hedl, all under the age of 22, um, have the most goals as a line. For the Rangers in the playoffs, they uh, accounted for two, accounted for the game winner, which is massive. Rangers take game uh, five to three at the Garden, and they're going back to Schittsburg, um, uh tomorrow night, Friday night. So that'll be a compelling game. Six, if we can pull that one out, I am almost guaranteeing winning game seven because uh, we've seen this, we've seen this before, folks. Uh, the Rangers have come back from three-one to win the series against. The Pittsburgh Penguins in uh, 2014, um, Aaron and I graduated high school then. You know, that was the year. The Rangers went to the finals, unfortunately did not win, but I digress. Um, one of my favorite teams of all times. But uh, Aaron, boots on the ground for, for game three. I'll touch on this experience a little bit because 
the Pittsburgh fan base um, is by far one of the softest fan bases I've ever encountered in my sports life. Um, so I got to touch on a couple of this, couple of scenes that were at the game, if you don't mind me saying a soapbox here for a couple minutes. Um, so we travel all the way out to Pittsburgh. Um, as you know, Aaron, one of the most boring drives in the history of, of mankind. Um, Saturday evening, figure the place is going to be packed, but also, you know, it's New York. The Rangers have, you know, one of the most traveled fan bases in the history of sports. So I thought, you know, that we would assume that we would be at least near uh, or amongst, you know, some fellow Rangers fans, which is definitely not the case. Uh, my, my father and I were some of the only Rangers fans in the building, which proved to be quite interesting. Um, couldn't have started out any worse for us either. The, the Penguins score on a BS controversial goal with like a minute and a half into the game, which was a tough way to start. And they've been having terrible starts to the games this series. So this one was no different. Um, ended up tying it up pretty shortly after that um, on a pretty nice goal. So uh, always, always kind of well until – the absolute wheels fell off the train tracks, fell off the wagon. If you will, Pittsburgh ends up roaring back, scoring three unanswered uh, to take a 4-1 lead into the first period, first intermission. Um, Pittsburgh, mind you, uh, had to play their third-string goalie. Um, their first stringer, Tristan Jari, was out you know, pre-play, also with an injury. Um, still been practicing, but has been basically out every single game. Uh, so they got this goalie. Pittsburgh does Louis Domingue third string goalie. I was, I was messing with the fans calling him the e-bug emergency backup goalie. They did not like, they did not like any of my jokes that evening, <laughs> which is kind of funny. At one point, um, the Rangers had a play, or, uh, Jesus, they had a power play. Um, and we're going into this, into the second intermission. So it was after they tied it four to four is electric. Um, so I was very much on my high horse and acting a fool for sure. These two Pittsburgh fans in front of me get up to like go to the bathroom, or whatever. There's like a minute and a half left, and I was like, "Oh, you guys are missing a power play! You guys are missing a power play!" And they were getting so pissed off because they thought I was like talking about the Penguins. And they were basically like, uh, "Dude, like we're, we're we're like shorthanded." I was like, "Oh, no shit, idiot!" Because uh, I was wearing a Rangers jersey, and they were just like stomped off, and you know, didn't want anything, anything to do with me. But it just goes to show you, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh. I would say not the brightest group of fans of all time. I was wearing a uh, Mika Zibanejad jersey um, and, you know, the, the building, I don't even, I think it's like called PP, PPG paint, paint, paint a circle arena. It's like a paint by numbers arena. I think is what they call it. Um, just an embarrassing name for an arena, but either way they have like legitimately one bathroom probably per like a thousand people in that building. So, at the end of every intermission or establishing play, there's just like a thousand people at least just converging on the bathroom. I was quite legitimately the only person in line with a Rangers jersey. Um, so just getting heckled uh, probably for a good 20-minute stretch, waiting for the bathroom while inside the bathroom, and then leaving the facilities as well. Um, pro- <coughs> excuse me. Um, probably a good four or five times, maybe even more. I lost count. Um, someone would read, read my jersey. Like, oh, I see that. Zabana hat or Zabana Jade or Zabana who yeah. jersey. And I was just like, oh, I, I guess I, you know, I guess the Pittsburgh fans can't really read over here, which got a couple of laughs, you know, a couple of these Pittsburgh fans trying to make nice and tell me I had balls wearing that jersey. I just I I just didn't have time for it. I was like, this isn't Philly. You guys are just not 
a real fan base and not many of them really knew hockey because after basically every save, um, they were celebrating like big Ben was throwing a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, this guy could, he have a routine glove save or he could, you know, someone could hit him in the chest and they thought that this guy was basically Dominic Hasek standing on his head. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I would say not the most hostile crowd. I, if it was Philly or if it was, uh, a boss, if it was long out, I probably wouldn't have worn the Jersey, but figured I was safe in Pittsburgh, which, which happened to be true, but either way, a crazy game. Like I said, Rangers down four to one after the first period, my, I was in absolute shambles. Um, I couldn't even tell you what I was thinking then. It was just an absolute disaster. Um, come all the way back tied four to four. As I mentioned, I was acting a full phenomenal second period. We essentially, if the Rangers had shown up in the first or third, we would have won that game like 10 to 10 to five uh, with no doubt. Um, just didn't really show up on, away ice, which was unfortunate. Um, and then Pittsburgh ends up potting one late and then grabbing two empty netters. But like I said, Rangers, uh, they pull out a, a very, very, very obviously important save off elimination in game five last night. Um, true test back in Pittsburgh for game six tomorrow night. Um, if the Rangers squeak this one out, I swear to God, they're winning game seven. That's a, that's an absolute lockdown of the century. Uh, Sidney Crosby uncertain for game six. I think he had a pulled, uh, heart string uh, in, in game five uh, took an elbow to the head, probably out for his career. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Probably out for a couple games. Hopefully doesn't play game six. Hopefully doesn't play game seven. The Rangers have been bit a little bit with the injury bug. So I can't say I feel bad for Pittsburgh fans complaining about their heart and soul leaving the game, but uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You can't control who you're playing. You just got to, play the opposition as hard as you can and try to put pucks in the back. And that, that's what we did the other night. And that's what we'll do tomorrow night as well. I'm pretty confident. So Rangers in seven, uh, never a doubt. And, uh, you know, talk to your bookmakers now. Damn, man. Guy, guy absolutely locked it in for game. Like if we get to a game seven, he said, absolute lock it, lock it down, lock it in. However you want to say it. Um, I got to ask you about your boy, uh, Igor. I can't say his last name. I'm not even Best yeah, goal right now, which is scary. Hold on one is... second, man. I, I lost you. I, it's it's the the Penguins fans are trying to you know take this this podcast down or something. You got me now. You got me now. I got you now. It says it says my internet's unstable. Live in it. Live. It's happening. Um, oh man, you and the you and the Penguins fans are both unstable. It sounds like. Dude, it's, <laughs> So <laughs> Igor Sesterkin, best goalie in the world, um, finalist for an MVP, finalist for Vezina Trophy, which is the best goalie in the league, which I, I said on this podcast back in February, March, I had a future on him to win that trophy, and he will, uh, obviously. Um, not playing like the top goaltender right now, which is very scary because if this guy finds his game, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh might not score a goal until they play their first game of the season in October. So um, <laughs> historically, the Rangers, you know, Lundqvist backing the team up. Uh, they win they win playoff games like two to one, three to two, and they're absolute slugfest, and they give up like 50 shots a game. Right now, they're not playing sound defensively. They had a couple of defensemen who have been shit in the bed. They had a couple of defensemen on out injured so they got those guys back last game which was great um good out a couple victory uh obviously a nice victory but if Igor Shesterkin gets hot it is curtains for for Pittsburgh Penguins fans it is absolute curtains 
Um, every every time Igor made a save in Pittsburgh, they're chanting Igor, thinking they're like absolutely slick and like I don't know. They had the same chant the entire game. I felt like I was my ears are gonna bleed because they that's all they legitimately chanted was both goalie names because they thought they were funny. Um L crowd in Pittsburgh, I'll say that again. But if Igor Shisterkin finds this game like hot seat rest of the NHL, hundred percent. Real question, and I might even know the answer to this first, but was was your pops talking less or more than than you were as far as just any type of trash? Being- oh, less, less I, for sure. That was gonna be. I was gonna put my entire like life savings on that, but um, I just had to. I had to ask. Just, I'm just curious. Yeah, he's a smarter man than I am. Um, <laughs> that goes without saying. I, uh, I mean, when it was four to four, man, I was you were- acting. A, I was shacked in a fool. <laughs> tell you, I mean, him and I were like there was like one other dude in our section, basically. And after after the four two goal, after the four three goal, and certainly after the four four goal, we were standing up, clapping, dapping up. Um, so we didn't let the score really get down our spirits. I mean, at four two, you're kind of like, all right, maybe we got a shot here. And four three, you're feeling it. Four four, you're on cloud nine. Um, so yeah, so we we kind of let them let the fans hear it. I mean, no pushback. I thought we were gonna get a couple popcorns, maybe a couple hot dogs thrown our way but uh yeah the crowd was pretty tame which was which lucked out for us but uh, yes i was making some comments here and there that I probably should should not have but again it was it was pittsburgh and and not philly so i felt i felt comfortable man i i hope no alcoholic beverages were involved that's all, I'll, I'll keep it there you know what i mean no we were no we were good we were tame i mean a nice little family outing um no, you just, no, you know, you know, sometimes you just gotta let the uh let the fans know, you know, when you're, when you know hockey and, and other fans don't, sometimes you just can't stand for it. And, and we didn't, we didn't take any prisoners. I'll tell you that for free. Oh man. If I, I, I would get absolutely out of control. Like if it, oh man, don't eat. If I was at like a Penn state, Ohio state game, I, I, I would not, I'd probably walk out of there in handcuffs. Um, there's others, other matchups I can, I can see, you know, if the O's were good enough to beat the Yanks, I would be talking non-stop shit to those people but uh yeah i get it man i totally it, it's it's a shame too because i've always i'm not gonna say i'm a pittsburgh fan but I, i've always respected them as far as a franchise like a consistent franchise in the league and and to hear yeah. that, like you would think their fans you know that's a blue collar city you know i would say that's a it's a football town i would say you know that but the penguins are, i would say are a big deal out there um for, i went out there you know very briefly a couple of times but um, that's kind of like disappointing to hear only because, you know, that is one of those, those, that's a franchise you look to like a, a model of success, a model of consistency and like their fans to not, you know, really damage. Obviously there, there's, there's going to be fans that know it all. And there's going to be fans that don't know Jack squat about it, but, uh, it's surprising. I'll say that to hear, you know, the Pittsburgh, the, the experience you had was surprising as well. Yeah, you, you you and me both, man. I mean, they they got numbies for sure. They had numbers in the building. I'll, I I will say I will say that. Oh, that's where I'll give the credit. They had they had bodies they had bodies in the building. That's for sure. <laughs> Filling up the seats, no doubt. But nine times out of ten, they did not know hockey very well. Um, and that's just that's just a fact. I hate to say that. You would think <laughs> after winning three championships in the last like fifteen years, your fan base would know hockey, but. Um, basically screaming bloody murder after every save is, is not going to give you credibility in my book. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, I'll, and I'll commend you for this. Like you, you definitely stick by your guys. Um, you know, if, if my favorite, you know, if, if I was in your shoes and, you know, diehard Rangers fan that you are, I would probably be ripping 
uh, Chesterkin a new asshole because just the the inconsistency, you know, at times throughout the series. But you're standing by your guy. I commend you heavily for that. that that's a respectable, you know, way of going about it. Best goalie in the league. My MVP. Love, Love that. See, see, you, see you Friday, Pittsburgh. <laughs> What uh? We got to touch on the other ones though. Where where do you want to take it? I was just say yeah. Quick quick cleanup here. Um, a lot of series are very are very competitive. Um, as we're talking now, Leafs Lightning are in Game Six going overtime, tied three to three. Uh, the Hurricanes and Bruins are going to Game Seven. Bruins just closed out the Canes five to two. Every series is uh is in at least a Game Six, except for Colorado Nashville. Colorado swept them in a four quick game series there so uh i mean basically all that you could ask for in these first round series especially from a league perspective uh, a lot of the games are extremely competitive high scoring which is interesting um for the playoffs obviously hockey playoffs you probably you know be three two two one games i was talking about earlier but uh yeah some surprises for sure i mean washington florida going to a game six calgary dallas going to a game six um, Wild and Blues are playing right now. And then we have Oilers Kings. So somehow, you know, the Kings are up uh three to two on Connor McDavid and, and his Oilers, which is which is kind of crazy to me. But uh yeah, a lot of a lot of competitive series. Like I said, uh, the Leafs Lightning um is very fascinating to me. Leafs actually up three to two, which you know, obviously the uh you know, lightning coming off two back to back cups there. You think they have they'd have a leg up, but Leafs really fighting and taking taking hold of the series too, which is obviously interesting to see. So we'll kind of, I mean, I'm assuming as we're talking, this game will probably end uh, based off, you know, how, how long overtime goes, obviously, but uh, very competitive series all the way around, which is great to see. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, I think <clears throat> from, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything, but I've been, I've been trying to keep up and, and obviously, you know, learn as much as I can, as I go with, with the NHL uh, with that, with that being said, but you know, I, I know Dallas is a, a big team, but I, I think them, you know, putting up a, the fight that they are, I am kind of surprised at that. Um, I thought Calgary would kind of roll them. Uh, I know they're like more of a finesse team and, and things like that. And they, they tend to, you know, just score a million goals in the regular season, but they, they haven't had their way. I'll say that they haven't really found their, their footing, you know, in a, in a very confident way, I would say against the stars. Um, so that's interesting to me. I, I still think Calgary probably pulls it out, you know, when all said and done. But um, the Bruins really, you know, they, they say the Bruins are aging and the Bruins, you know, Marshan, those guys don't exactly have what they used to have, but it, it's just another Boston team in the playoffs. You can never just rule them completely out. So that sucks. In my book, I just can't stand the Bruins. That would be the most hated team for me, for sure, without a doubt, not even close. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm going to ask you, do you think the Maple Leafs can actually not choke for, for once? Yeah, if this was, that's a great question. If this was any other year, I, w- I would say no, they're definitely going to choke. But uh, they they have been on fire. They've been one of the best teams all season. Um, and I know I know playoffs are obviously a different beast, and they have been. I mean, you look at you mentioned the Bruins, you know, taking it to the Hurricanes, which is unexpected, obviously going into the into the series. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they were even down. Uh, you know, they were down three to one. This game came back and. Uh, score two goals and uh, score two goals in like 30 seconds to come back and tie it and take the lead, which is crazy. So um, they've been showing some different stuff this year that we really haven't seen out of them historically. Yes. Um, they've had their infamous playoff collapses, especially against their Bruins 
um, you know, even going back like 10, 15 years, it seemed like every other year they were collapsing in the first or second round. So um, if they can hang on here and uh, take this game in overtime or at least take a game of seven against Tampa, who I mentioned, the you know, two-time defending cup champions, or I mean, I, th- I think you'd probably have to uh, treat this team a little bit differently, um, especially going into the second round. They probably would be favored as well. Um, you know, going into that second round, no matter who they play, which is which is absolutely crazy that I'm saying that about Toronto. But I, I do believe in them. Um, I know some other people don't, but uh, I definitely do. Yeah, I'm hoping, man. I, I don't want, obviously, the Lightning being the defending champs. I, I just don't want to see them, you know, succeed. I just don't. Um, that being said, like, you know, I've caught some, uh, definitely some some footage of, like, Austin Matthews. The kid is disgusting. Like, the guy is just gross keen score going machine like um so yeah i i just um i hope maybe the maple leaves hang on i think if they go to a game seven it's anybody's anybody's game and then i worry that you know tampa bay pulls it out on experience like that type of thing uh it seems like Tavares really hasn't done much up until tonight um but obviously the two goals tonight that'll work um so yeah that'll play it's it's Obviously, or you know, there's so many matchups. Um, I think the Capitals putting up a decent fight against the Panthers. That probably yep. falls apart though, uh, in a game game six or you know, possible game seven. But um yeah, man, it's it, it's definitely an interesting playoffs and it, it's been just back and forth. And I think a lot of these games have had a ton of goals, which I, I do enjoy that. Um, you know, a lot of some people like the games where, you know it'd be a, a pitcher's duel, quote unquote, but I, I like the seven to fours. I like the, you know, six to two, that type of thing. I like them closely cont- contested. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't like a, a one, nothing or a two, nothing. I, that's just me though. No, you're, you know, they've been very high octane, very entertaining. Um, absolutely. Cr- I mean, like I said, it's, it's not something you expect, but scoring has just been up like league wide this year, which I, I wouldn't say I attribute it to like one thing. I think just the skill um, throughout the league is, is like unmatched uh, compared to like previous years, every guy, you know, every top pick seemingly comes in and can pop in like 20 or 30 with their eyes closed, which is not how it, it used to be for sure. I mean, you have defensemen like Cal McCarr in Colorado, like essentially on pace for 30 goals as, as a, as a D man, which is absolutely unheard of. Um, Adam Fox, you know, for the Rangers has been, absolutely on fire since he joined the league offensively. So um, a lot, a lot of these guys just have a lot of offensive firepower. Um, you know, some teams, especially in these playoffs, pretty much every single team has your bona fide superstar. Um, they typically have a, a front, uh, you know, front net guy who's going to pop in like 20 or 30 typically have a good goalie, but it seemingly doesn't really matter much in these playoffs. It's just been a different animal and maybe that'll change in the second round and, and beyond. But yeah, the, the first at least round, of these playoffs has been highly entertaining with especially being so high scoring. Yeah. hundred percent. Who who do you, uh, who's your, do you have any surprise teams that make it like further than, than other people would say, like the experts would say, do you have anything like that? Yeah. I, I think the Kings win the, win this series um, against the Oilers, which, you know, if, I mean, if the Oilers lose another series in the first round, that's that city's going to burn down because <laughs> um, they're just wasting Connor McDavid and, Leon Dreisaitl's talent and skill at, at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I think this this Kings team and they like they have guys who have obviously you know winning two cups a few years like a while back now, but they have guys from that championship team still. Um, Jonathan Quick still in that doing his thing. You know they've shut down center 
Um, Philip Deneau, who's been on fire, six points in uh, in five games. Um, some younger guys, too, like Adrian Kempe. They still have Drew Dowdy there. Um, they got some grit to their lineup, too, which I think just kind of plays well against more of a finesse-style Edmonton team. Edmonton's also playing, like, a 41-year-old goalie, which certainly doesn't help. Um, but, again, like, they have two of – I mean, I would say two of the top, like, three or four – players in the world so anytime those guys step on the ice you probably think they have an advantage especially on the power play they're almost guaranteed at least one power play goal per game depending on how many penalties the other team has taken so um that's that's been a surprise to me is just how well um la has been able to handle them defensively um and also been able to to put some pucks on net and, and get a you know get racked up on the score sheet there which is kind of their problem um i mean they kind of squeaked into the playoffs too which is always um Interesting to me. I mean, they're, they're coming in as, as the three seed. So um, Edmonton was the two seed coming in. So I think they were very heavily favored. So if they can pull this game out tonight or pull out game seven, um, I, I certainly would not be shocked. 100%. I, I, I love the take, man. I mean, take it to the bank. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, Deposit. run it in. Just cash it. Cash it while you can. <laughs> um great great nhl playoff stock two just phenomenal back-to-back i think topics with baseball and hockey i think we uh i think we move to the nba now my friend if that's right with you yeah that's probably the the most underwhelming of of all the sports in my honest opinion but hey we, we got to touch on it it's a must so have to touch on it i think uh you know we, we are fresh off probably 20 minutes ago um the miami heat officially knocking out Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and James Harden. Um, I almost said Ben Simmons, but um, from the from the playoffs, um, in six games, your reaction, Aaron, I mean, Embiid, we touched on this a little bit off there, obviously not 100%, um, but James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, um, probably not playing up to their potential in this game. And, it, you know, the score is, was 99-90. I don't think it really indicative of, you know, kind of the outcome and, and overall play throughout this game. Um, from just keeping up with the stats and the score um, kind of throughout, it seemed like Miami was dominating the play. Um, but it, can you just, you know, kind of put this into perspective uh, in terms of where this fits in with the Sixers franchise, where they go from here, um, where Doc Rivers goes from here, obviously they have a lot of good players on their team. Um, really that James Harden trade worked out, especially right when that trade happened. Um, they were, they were a wagon winning a lot of games. And I think, you know, Spolstra is, is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I don't want to say he outcoached Rivers per se, but, you know, I definitely think slowing down Harden um, and some of the other firepower that Philly had this playoffs definitely can be attributed to some of the stuff Miami was able to do out there. Yeah, I think once again, um, I mean, just as like if you're a Sixers fan and, and, this, and, this, and this goes down the way it is, you know, w- once again, um, it's just so disappointing. Like it, it's so, I don't know, man. It's just year after year. Like they think they're going to make a run. <clears throat> Excuse me. They think, they think, you know, this is the year to make the run and it, it just falls apart. It goes to the wayside. Like, I, I don't know. I'll say this the last two games. I mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't get to see any, not a minute of tonight's game, but, um, I know at least in, um, in game five, like Embiid comes out, um, you know, more power to him. The guy is absolutely banged up nearly from head to toe, it seems like at this point. But, um, you know, he's just taking jump shots. And I, and I know he doesn't want to probably bang bang down there in the uh, in the paint. Um, I get that. But at the same time, like he just got robbed of an MVP. 
in, in some people's opinion, in his own opinion, I'm sure. And then, you know, just to be taking jump shot after jump shot, like he is a seven footer, you know what I mean? Just, just, he could bully uh, Bam all game long if he wanted to. And he did that at times in the series. I mean, he was D'ing up uh, James, uh, excuse me, he was D'ing up Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, he had PJ Tucker contained at times. Like he can defend anybody. And in my opinion, he can, he can definitely slam it on anybody or, or control the paint on anybody. So I get, you know, they try to swarm him, that type of thing. But I don't know, man. It, it's, it's, you gotta, in my opinion, like losing Seth Curry, that came back to bite him because now they don't have that outside shooter other than Maxi who can create his own shot. James Harden is, is at times just not a good basketball player anymore. Uh, I'll say that he, he's just a shell of himself. Um, guys completely out of, out of shape out there at times it looks like. So I don't know, man, it's, it's, Credit to the Miami Heat, credit to Spolstra, but it's like I, I put this one on Doc Rivers. A lot of it I do. Um, Danny Green's a scrub, in my opinion. He had two good games. <laughs> uh, probably in the last – if you pull up his stats for, like, the playoff games for the last couple of years, he's probably had, you know, two or three, four, four at the most good games. Like, he's just not he, – he can't play defense really anymore. He's just not – he's not feasible. So – you got to get rid of him. You got, I, I would try and sh- I would not at all for one second consider signing James Harden to an extension. I, I think he's like, basically after this year, it's, it's an option, like, you know, bring him back or, or let him walk. I would trade, I would get whatever you can for him and, and go from there because he's not, he's not James Harden on the, on the Rockets. And I don't know, man, with, with Embiid and it, and Maxi and Tobias, you can't just win like that every game. So, um, I don't know. It's disappointing. I'll say that for for a team that you know is supposed to make a lot of noise once again, another year of of disappointment. Uh, I just think Doc Rivers needs to go too. Uh, I don't think he's the guy, you know, to lead them to the promised land. Bring uh, bring back Brett Brown for sure. There you uh, go. Bring him back. Bring, bring him back. It's about, it's back. about time. Come back home. No, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a storyline. I mean, you, you got hit with the injury bug this late in the season. It's, I mean, it, yeah. Th- I mean, that's that's going to be the excuse for Philly this offseason. That's going to be the narrative that fans and, and kind of media and I guess just people around the league probably have to point to. Um, if Embiid's at 100%, I, I would say this series would maybe go a different way, but at the end of the day, I mean, Miami is the number one seed in the East. So uh, it, it's not like they're losing to the A seed. It's not like they're, you know, losing to a team that, you know, that finished like 11th and won the playoff and, and kind of squeaked in. So if you're going to lose to a franchise in the playoffs in, in you know, the second round, I, I'd have to think they're probably okay with losing to the Heat. I mean, I know it's a little bit of salt in the wound type of situation with a guy like Jimmy Butler um, kind of winning that series right in your, right in your face. But all you can really point to is, I guess, hope that, you know, the James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, um, Joel Embiid situation kind of works itself out next year. Hopefully those three guys can gel. Because I, I do think that would be a really fun team. And I think when all three of them are humming, it's some of the best basketball that's, that's played in the entire league. Um, I know it's a big if for, you know, I mean, Harden's dealt with his injury stuff. Embiid's dealt with his injury stuff. I know it's a big if. And probably a big ask to, you know, make sure all those guys are healthy at the same time come playoffs. But 
um, even if it's some load management stuff during the regular season to ensure that those core players are healthy, then I don't think you really have another option. I know Danny Green got, got hurt tonight, didn't really help the situation, um, but all you can really do is kind of get – I don't really see them making many moves because of all the, the money they're going to have tied up in contract. So all you can really do is hope that the three of them gel together better. I know not having a lot of time after the trade deadline specifically for them to, to all play together definitely hurt them, but um, at least it's enough time where you can kind of see it um, but also, you know, that's uh, at the same time, it is inexcusable because you've seen some of those those faltering playoff moments for James Harden. You kind of hope it's not a pattern no matter which team he goes to next. But unfortunately, it has been a pattern, you know, throughout his career. So um, for his sake, for the sake of Philly, hopefully they can figure it out next year. But it might it might definitely be a long offseason for them, to say the least. Do you do you agree or, or do you disagree on the, the Doc Rivers should be like Absolutely sent out of town. I I agree. I I don't even think they should have hired him. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. that you know coming off, obviously he was at his peak after the, those Boston seasons. Got that title because he basically had a super team. Um, then goes over out west to the Clippers. They had some pretty good teams, but um, didn't really want to go through a rebuild out there. And then comes to Philly, and um, I don't really think he's made that much of an impact. Um, I know we were joking about some other coaches throughout the league. Um, I know, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the top names in the NBA kind of realms obviously also have, have jobs right now. So, you know, if you're going to fire a guy like Doc Rivers, you also want to make sure that you're bringing in someone who's going to do a better job. So not to say that that's going to be all that difficult, but um, at the end of the day, you, you never know. Um, it's not like there's, you know, there's not like a Billy Donovan. There's not like a Steve Kerr um, out there for, for the taking, in my opinion, maybe you kind of stretch back into the college ranks. Maybe it's Jay Wright, man. Um, cool. Obviously left Villanova and, and right in that Philly market. Maybe it's, maybe it's a bigger name like that. I, I highly doubt it, but um, if you're going to move on from Doc Rivers to me, you have to make some sort of a splash. Yeah. I would not hate if they, like, I don't get why Mark Jackson doesn't get a job. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's going to the Lakers. Oh, uh, that's Yeah. No, I'm so, just kidding. LeBron, uh, I don't think LeBron I don't think LeBron just, would stand for that. To be honest, LeBron will just have he'll have like a suit on on the uh, on one of the spare chairs there, and he'll like between when he pulls himself out of the game, he'll put the suit on to be the coach, and then he'll put the jersey back on, go back out to play, because like you know he's the coach anyway. So if I if I was the Lakers, I would seriously consider not hiring a coach. <laughs> I'm, you, I'm dead. I'm dead serious. Though? Can you? Can you imagine I'm dead serious. <laughs> maybe just like for a year, just to shut that guy up. Like maybe they'll fucking fail miserably. Be like, dude, this is why we need a coach. You need to just shut the fuck up sometimes. Dude. Uh, I am dead serious. Or fucking put Magic Johnson back there. I guarantee like no one, no one has ever told, like if someone tells LeBron, no, like he's like, all right, I want that guy gone immediately. That's what I'm saying. Like no one, no one's going to want that job. I wouldn't want that job. I mean, it, I think Frank Vogel knew, like, hey, I'm just coming to collect, a, you know, a few more mil. Not that, I, you know, he already made his, but um, right. these guys just, like, like you got to know what you're stepping into. You know what I mean? At that point, like, there's no way that Frank Vogel was the voice of that team. There's just no possible. No chance. And that's a great comparison because he wasn't their first choice. I think they tried to hire Ty Lue back in the day um, yeah, when that whole deal came about. You know, dealing with all that. Yeah, so you're not going to get – I mean, you're going to get, like, the fifth or sixth probably best guy in that cycle. Um, you know they're not going to really have much authority um, for roster and then for 
the plays and whatnot. You know, LeBron's going to call the shots and you're basically there just to blow a whistle at practice, essentially. It seemed like, you know, despite this year's struggle, Frank Vogel had a pretty good, I guess, kind of pulse on that team. Obviously winning the championship um, during the bubble back in 2020 was massive for him and his resume, but um, it always just felt like LeBron was was lurking, especially as they fell in hard times this season. Yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't expect a, a LeBron, you know, tangent per se, but uh, gotta work him in, gotta work him in. I think I think Daniel's coming around a little bit on the on LeBron. Uh, LeBron. Yeah, I mean, still the greatest player of all time, but oh. um, I don't know some off season stuff or some off the court stuff continues to grind my gears a little bit. He, uh, yeah, man, it's just, I, just like another guy we can get into. Cause, uh, uh, yeah, another guy I can't stand, but, uh, he, he's like, to me, he's like Tom Brady at this point. Just go away. Oh yeah. Please go away. Please go away. And Brady's definitely not going away after yeah. he signed his mega deal. I can't watch. Like if the Eagles are on Fox in the future and he's commentating, I promise you, I will not have the volume on. I, I was gonna say, thank God I'm a fan of an, an ASC team. I don't have to deal with that shit, dude. I, I I can't. I just. I mean, like, what does does he really like? Not like his kids that much. That's my thing. <laughs> this guy finds any any reason to uh, just still be involved, heavily involved too. It's not just like, you know. I just want him to go away, man. Please, like, can someone make him go away? I'm not saying, you know, I'm not making threats on the show on on, on brutally honest sports, but. Just somebody convince him to go away, please. All I'm asking. He's probably going to be on Fox for the next like 35 years, like without fail. I can't like see that guy being 60 years old and like looking old. Like he'll, he's just that guy. He's been blessed since the day he was born. That he'll never, yeah. like, he'll be like 95 years old and like still walk. He'll look like he's 40. It's like probably still throw the football around too. Yeah, he'll probably go back out. He'll just be like he'll be commentating the game, and he'll just be starting feeling himself again. He'll be like, oh, "I should probably get back out there," and then it'll be a corny chuckle, and then you know, just just a disaster. Always, but but yeah, man. Speaking of football, we can go at least a little bit into the the draft coverage. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to. Played, but that's okay. It's all good. Uh, hey, let the people know. I think I think we have to. Um, Eagles obviously come out. I I would say the biggest winners of the draft, not because of who they drafted, but what they came out of draft night with um, an AJ Brown and a fresh contract. Um, that is absolutely phenomenal. You'll, you'll kind of correct me on the numbers here and what exactly they gave up. But from what I understand, it wasn't all that much because you do have, you know, you did have the three first round picks coming, coming into it. Um, and then yeah, to get that defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, who by all counts is an absolute freak of nature. Um, and it just oozes athleticism um, kind of throughout his tape is just what I've read um, and just listen to some podcasts and, and things like that. So potentially that's your Fletcher Cox replacement, but either way at the very least this year, um, I think the Eagles have really always been of the mindset and I kind of see the same thing with the Jets because their GM kind of, you know, obviously worked under Howie for a couple of years. Like you, you guys try to build out the trenches first and then kind of deal with like the rest of the team. And I think um, having a dominant, you know, run stuffer, but also a guy that could potentially impact the pass game, much like Aaron, not to say that he's Aaron Donald, but um, he can definitely impact the line of scrimmage, impact the quarterback and, and make him, you know, make him make those quick decisions, which I think is all you're looking to do, especially as a rushing defensive tackle, defensive lineman. So I think that's a great 
like first round for you guys. It, it you know, you obviously got some like a Nicobe Dean who fell later on in the draft and just made some nice, nice value picks. Um, so if there's one team I'm picking um, to give a good draft grade to is, is probably the Eagles, which um, I'm sure you're just loving all the attention from the national media. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I'll t- for once, for once it's positive news uh, in relation to the draft. I can't, I don't think I remember a positive draft in my entire lifetime, you know, being a fan of this team. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Jordan Davis. I think that's a, a good pick. Like you said, I mean, that, that's addressing a team need, um, not like a dire need. You know, we have Hargrave as well on there, uh, in there, you know, defensive tackle. But, you know, we'll take it. The guy is an absolute, like, to say he's a, a big human being is not doing it justice. Yeah. He, he is massive. Um, you know, nothing against him, but he probably needs two scales when he, when he gets on there. So, uh, you know, that's the type of guy you need in the trenches to just get in the way. At the end of the day, like, you could stop the run just by plugging his body between oh, yeah. two, two to three offensive linemen. Um, just, but, eats, just eats some space at that point. Exactly. So, um, you know, people have said he can't rush the passer like tremendously well, he's, but I, I think obviously you, even if he doesn't, he's going to create holes for other guys to go through the line. It's just going to open things up. I mean, he played on the, on the national championship winning team, uh, you know, at the highest stage and, and played well, very well. So, Definitely like that. Um, second round pick, that was kind of surprising to me a little bit. Obviously, um, uh, uh, Jason – no, not Jason. Wow, I almost said Jason Peters. Jason Kelsey uh, is, is retiring here, you know, any year now. So, we'll see. But he wanted he wanted them to pick him as his replacement, so that's cool. Um, I trust his judgment, I think. They worked him out, and, uh, and Jason Kelsey was impressed, so – the center from Nebraska, Cameron Jurgens, hopefully is a is a Kelsey two um, Yeah, and then I mean I'm not going to go into you know rounds six and round six, but Nicobe Dean, I like I love that pick. I I think he's going to be a stud. I just have that feeling uh, if he stays healthy. That is uh, that that was the concern. That's why he dropped so so heavily. Um, he didn't get the shoulder surgery that they apparently recommended, but he says that he didn't need it. He said it just healed. So I'm hoping uh, as a, we need a, a good linebacking core. It's been a long time since we've had that. And uh, really the last thing I'll touch on is just the, obviously I'm ecstatic to have AJ Brown. I think that takes pressure off Jalen Hurts. I think that opens up the offense. And, uh, you know, I really look forward to us having a number one receiver again. Uh, it seems like it's been since T.O. that uh, we haven't had one. So I'm hoping that all the, all the chips fall into place and, uh, you know, we can, give the Cowboys a run for the money for the division. If, if the commanders aren't, aren't in, uh, aren't in striking distance with obviously Wentz.
Yeah, I mean, I think very impressive. Um, how how he has, has been a guy that we talked on this show for the existence of this throughout the existence of this podcast, um, and a guy that Aaron has clowned multiple times over and over again, which has been absolutely hilarious every single time. But a guy that just continues to make smart and nimble moves. I think accruing you know th- those picks for Carson Wentz was an absolute finesse of the century. I think the Colts uh, are going to be feeling the effects of that trade for years to come, um, which is, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, I think there was an opportunity to be aggressive and and take a quarterback early in this draft, but he just realized that he's going to stick his evaluations and a guy like, you know, Jalen Hurts is obviously a lot better um, than these players who, who came out um, in this class, you know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, doesn't matter all those guys. So, um, I mean, getting, getting, I mean, by all accounts too, like the, you know, Hertz and AJ Brown are like good friends as well. Um, so I think that definitely has something to do with, with kind of the trade. I think a lot of teams um, who have cap space, like even like Jets fans, I know were kind of pissed that they got AJ Brown because I think I, I wanted him too, but it sounded like, you know, the Titans were willing to trade him to more of a contender, which the the Jets certainly are, are not at this point. The Eagles obviously are a little bit further along. So, I personally am interested to see what he can do in this offense. Um, and then, you know, talked about a guy like Jordan Davis who can basically run that defensive line for the next 10, you know, 15 years. Um, guy like Jurgen, you said, uh, basically Elaine uh, Johnson replacement. And then some other guys like Nicobe Dean, you know, probably doing a red shirt year, but we'll look to, you know, have a pretty big rookie year, I think, or uh, maybe a second year after he gets healthy. So um, I'm pretty impressed with what the Eagles did. I think uh, the Jets, you know, relatively celebrated I would say throughout I mean you know they had three picks in the first round and then take a uh, running back Bruce Hall um, early on in the second so essentially four you know first round type level talents it's really kind of hard to have a bad draft when you're when you're picking that high um, so really it's for, for the Jets and, and more so than most teams in the league definitely more so than the Eagles it's really about the development and kind of growth of these guys if these guys hit you know, come in right away, make an impact, um, make it easier on Zach Wilson. You know, you talk about, you know, obviously a, a Brees Hall, a running back who is insanely productive. Garrett Wilson, um, very dynamic, um, deep threat, can play in the slot, um, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Kind of a shorter guy, kind of a slimmer guy, but from what, from what I hear, can basically play all across the wide receiver position, which is really what they want. And that's Shanahan, kind of LaFleur style type offense they want guys who can play essentially every position and just kind of be translatable and nimble throughout the wide receiver group so that's what they have there want you know core davis kind of being the one one a elijah moore kind of being the one b i think garrett wilson definitely has the talent on paper to be better um than both of those guys but we'll see i mean it, it is you know kind of a slower go um for receivers typically you know you look at a guy like Devonte smith who came on at the end of the year last year not everyone's going to be a Justin Jefferson. Not everyone's going to be a Jamar Chase right out of the gate. So even if they get like, I would say solid, like maybe back half of the season from Garrett Wilson, they did sign, you know, CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin drafted Jimmy Rocker. All three of those guys uh, will compete at the tight end position. So in addition, have a pretty decent offensive line. So I'm not going to say that the Jets are a player two away from really making some noise, but if we're, you know, talking wins and losses, I think they should definitely be, in the conversation for six, seven, eight wins and, and maybe in the hunt for a wild card spot at the end of the year. I don't expect them obviously to make the playoffs, but on paper um, they are in a much better position um, than when they were last year at this time. I and mean, look at a guy, you know, like sauce Gardner 
at the cornerback position. And then Jermaine Johnson, they were able to trade back up for into the first round to kind of shore up the secondary and defensive line. I mean, the Jets will have a pretty good defensive line this year. Um, if all like Carl Wilson or Carl Lawson coming back from injury, if he stays healthy too. So I, I know I, I say this every year, I am cautiously optimistic about what we can do. We do have a pretty tough schedule. So again, I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs or really make any noise, but um, I think quietly, this team could have a good season. And, and as we know, Aaron, it's going to come down to how Zach Wilson performs. Um, I think Joe Douglas has done a good job of taking essentially all of the guesswork out of, out of kind of his team building. I mean, Zach Wilson basically has like zero excuse not to put up like 25 touchdowns and, you know, rush for probably five more and, and, you know, throw for, you know, hopefully 38 ish to like 42, 4,200 yards. So um, I'm, I'm not expecting like a significant leap, but I am expecting like him to obviously play a lot better than he did throughout last season. I think second year in the offense, um, second year, um, obviously with Michael LaFleur as his offensive coordinator, who I think sneakily did a great job. He had to deal with, you know, with Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, um, Josh Johnson and Mike White, and all four of them had relative success at times. So um, I think, I think with the supporting cast that he has, the continuity on the coaching side of things, I think sneakily he might, he might have the best situation out of any of the second year quarterbacks. I know Mac Jones, um, you can never really count out the Patriots, but you, you basically have either Joe judge or Matt Patricia calling offensive plays this year. So I'm not really confident in that situation at all. Um, Jaguars are a dumpster fire. And then Justin Fields, you know, the bears have done absolutely nothing to surround him with talent at all. So I, I, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic, but, you know, it's a long way to go before uh, the games start, obviously. Yeah, guys shitting on the Jags even with Dougie P there. But no. Nah, hey, I love I love Dougie P. <laughs> no, it is. A, I mean, it's at the end of the day, they, they've obviously just put Lawrence in a tough spot with, I mean, the guy gets, if you ever watch the Jaguars play, the guy gets absolutely body bagged uh, every single game. Like he's just getting hit every single way possible. Um, their offensive line is an absolute joke. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm just giving you a hard time, but, um, I don't know if you saw the clip of obviously, uh, the, of Robert Sala, he, he like called, called, uh, sauce Gardner. Sauce. Yeah. He said sauce. Like, you know, that was cool. That was definitely, uh, that got me pumped up even just watching that. So, uh, okay. I hope that guy, uh, you know, turns, turns out to be, you know, the stud that, that they think he will be. I, I do think he will be uh, even, you know. Playing at Cincinnati, not the biggest school, obviously, but the, he played against uh, what was it, Alabama, uh, in that uh, in the playoff, um, or was it Georgia? I'm, I'm drawing. Uh, no, they were. Yeah, it was him against Jameson Williams. Right. So I mean, guy's a lot. He he's a stud. Uh, probably the best corner in the draft. Um, so you know, I hope that pans out. I, I do like that pick. I think having good corn, excuse me, good corners is vastly underrated. Um, in the league. So, um, Garrett Wilson, uh, that, that's an interesting one, obviously, uh, you know, playing at Ohio state, you know, had a lot of success a guy, just like no offense to him. And I'm not trying to take a shot. He just, he looks like he's a weird looking dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> Does, it doesn't matter. Not at all, but, uh, he just, he doesn't look like a football player. It's kind of funny, but Hey, I, I still expect obviously, uh, with a younger quarterback, um, you know, it, it would be beneficial if he goes out there and, you know, proves his own as well. So like, I, I root for Zach Wilson. I, I want him to succeed. I like the kid a lot. 
um, just doesn't just seems like a a kid that you know he's just not a dickhead. He's not one of these guys that, that comes in the league thinking their their shit doesn't sink. Like he knows he has to get better. He knows, um, you know, he just he just he has that moxie though that he has that confidence at the same time. So um, I definitely wish wish the best for you guys. I think they had one of the better drafts though, like you said. Um, you know, sharing up sharing up some offensive you know weaponry there with the running back as well in the second round pick and in Bryce and Brees Hall. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Um, but I, I hope Zach Wilson, you know, stays healthy, um, and, and just continues to improve. Like I think he can, to be honest. I, I was, I will say this. I think, I think Brees Hall is going to be offensive rookie of the year. Oh, that's a, uh, it's a hot, I mean, he, he went hot like two and a half year, two and a half calendar years, um, with scoring a touchdown, scoring at least one touchdown in, in, in consecutive games. Um, I know he played at Iowa State, obviously not the greatest competition in the Big 12, but he is, like, essentially like a Steelers Le'Veon Bell meets, like, fucking Derrick Henry. <laughs> like, like he can catch the ball. He can truck guys. He's basically like a – if a Kareem Hunt could, like, catch the ball. Um, obviously, without the uh, off-the-field issues, hopefully. But, um, I mean, he he he's, he run, he ran, like, a fourth – like, a four – like, a low 4-4, four, four, dude. Like, he's a home run threat. He's a bruiser on third down. He's going to catch the ball on screens and take it to the house. Like, I think having a guy like that and, and my, Michael Carter too. Like the two of them just form one of the one of the, probably the most dynamic backfields in the league. Probably like top ten for sure. I'd even maybe go top five depending if they can both stay healthy or not. But um, I think just having a security blanket like that just can't be understated. I mean, the reason why the Panthers started off so hot last year is before McCaffrey got hurt. Like Darnold basically was throwing the ball like 15 times a game to McCaffrey. And then he also got like 20 carries too. So um, if he can kind of come in and dominate, like some of these first year backs have been able to do, I, I would look out honestly for this offense. Not, I think the defense is going to suck, but I'd look out for this offense for sure. That's a little surprise only because, I mean, their defense played fairly well last year though. You know, They I mean? were, yeah, they were inconsistent. Um, they were very, they were, I mean, they, I mean, they got like blown out by the Patriots. They, you know, lost a heartbreaker to the Bucs, blown out by the Colts. Like, it, it kind of depends on the game, honestly. I, yeah. I, I think it was more of like a talent um, and more of uh, just like a, an experience thing. I mean, getting Sauce Gardner, if he can be a shut down corner, they got DJ Reed in free agency. They got Jordan Whitehead in free agency. Um, Jermaine Johnson getting him on the D line. Um, they're talking about getting Ogan Joby as a, as a free agent, which would be great. Um, obviously on that defensive line too. So um, it kind of depends on if these guys stay healthy. Like CJ Mosley missed a couple of games last year too. So um, I, I think it really is about health. The, the problem is with the Jets, like they have some decent starters, but they really have no depth. And we all know how injuries always decimate like basically every team in the NFL on a yearly basis. So we just have to see how, how health-wise we shake out. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I'll give you a real a real quick one. Uh, I think Kenneth Walker on the uh, on the Seahawks, Second round pick. I, I mean, I got to watch him play uh, a few times uh, against Penn State. He was obviously at Michigan State. Um, I, I know he had won a couple of awards. I can't tell you which ones, but the kid's an absolute, like, dynamite in, in open field. Um, the problem, obviously, is th- does he have the offensive line? Um, it's. I think they're going to try and run the ball heavy, obviously, with Drew, Drew Locke being there. I don't see him yeah. dropping, dropping him back there 40, 45 times a game or anything crazy, so – 
I think that kid's going to have a, a good year. I'm not going to – maybe offensive rookie of the year, but I just have a feeling like you – Seattle doesn't really miss on running backs, um, you know, if you look at, you know, throughout their draft history. So I just – I look for him to have a, a good career, maybe a, an outstanding career, but a, a good career nonetheless. Yeah, no, I, yeah, 100%. Um, uh, he, he, I mean, he was the guy who scored like four touchdowns against like Michigan or something, right? Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a monster, dude, absolute monster. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, one one and two rookie of the year voting, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson take that to the bank. Um, Zach Wilson, MVP. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it, obviously as training camp, and you know, I think I think OTAs are coming up soon, so we're gonna get all like the BS like reporter stat lines out of practice that are, are gonna be nothing in like three months, but. I'm going to be here for every second of it, soak it up, and uh, just ooze optimism uh, leading up to the season for sure. Hey, there's always false – there's always the reporters, they got to pump it up. You know what I mean? They got to add their two cents and, uh, and sprinkle in some excitement for the, for the season. Have to. Absolutely have to. Um, well, Aaron, great show. Um, I think, you know, obviously we'll try to get back on our weekly cadence, but either way, talking baseball, talking hockey, talking basketball, talking football, we're just covering it all here on the Brilliant Sports Podcast, episode 69. Aaron, why don't you take us home, sir? Uh, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Uh, you know, we kind of, we, you know, this is a longer show for our viewers, or for our listeners, I should say, but Hopefully they can uh, hang with us. And uh, yeah, well, once again, I, I break this promise almost every time, but we will try to get back on a consistent, <laughs> consistent type of schedule. And, uh, you know, we'll try and incorporate new segments and things and, and just have fun with it. So, you know, that's the goal and, and that's what we're, we're, we're always chasing it. So don't, don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. It's right. Take us home. <laughs>